Welcome to the next episode of Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you on this Friday morning. How's, uh, how's things in Maine right now? Things in Maine are nice, Tim. Good to be with you yet again. Um, What's the weather oh, like in Maine? Why do, I always picture the weather to be cooler. I don't know. I'm a, I guess I, I'm a traveler. Uh, yes, it is decidedly cooler up here than it is in where I'm originally living, Philadelphia, which is a sweat box at the moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's cooler up here. We have the advantage of have, being close to the water, so we get the nice breeze, which uh, definitely drops the temperature. Whereas if you drive like maybe half a mile inland, it, the temperature goes up like five degrees and it's just hot. Um, but it's definitely warmer, uh, cool, I'm sorry, cooler here than it is you know, throughout most of the East Coast. Now, is, is it a requirement in Maine to do sailing lessons? Like, do you have to have a sailing license in order to actually be there? Well, I actually married into a family of very hardcore sailors. So <laughs> I'm more or less getting my lesson just being a part of this family. Because <laughs> I obviously growing up in a small town outside, the, outside of Pittsburgh, landlocked, didn't really, sailing was not in my extracurricular activity right. handbook. And Maine to me was like Canada. That's like, I, uh, it's, it's, I discovered it because of my wife. So, you know, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. So um, anyone who's in, uh, interested in visiting, I highly, highly encourage it. Well, I, I think my favorite part of you being in Maine is it hasn't slowed down your business at all. Because no. the coronavirus really has reset the rules and reset the game. So you can be yes. anywhere on the planet. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's actually just kick off and say welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you all. Um, we just want to be here to share some of the insights that we capture in the industry as content creators and the work that we do on a weekly basis. Uh, I am Tim Thompson. This is Keith Rao, our media insider, and um, really the person who is taking us through this journey from originally a media marketer to a content creator. Keith, you are our brain power behind this scene. I'm just the good looks and talent, I guess. Very kind of you to compliment him, so. <laughs> Uh, good uh, yeah you too we have a lot to talk about today because i swear once we started doing this podcast um you know my eyes have opened up to just all the information that sits there in the media and all the things that are changing and then my friends are sending me articles probably you too posting you on things in your articles of all the things that are changing in this industry so they can kind of hear what we're talking about and you know, really reconciling and <laughs> echoing back the the sentiments that we have um, so there's a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I think the first one I want to kind of hit to is uh, something we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, but it's the end of the Paramount decree. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is uh, what we've been seeing, Big anticipating, news. and here it is. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week, uh, and just this past week, the judge, the federal judge finally uh, signed off on the Justice Department's reasoning, so it's effectively the end of the Paramount decree. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it was essentially a decision in the late 40s, which basically, in a nutshell, restricted the studios from owning theaters. Um, back in the day, the studios actually owned the theaters, so AMCs, um, those kinds of things didn't really exist. Um, and then that basically effectively ended it. And the Justice Department's uh, justification for changing it was that because thing distribution has become so commoditized and democratized, um, with Netflix and YouTube and all these places you can go to see content, 
there was no reason to restrict it anymore. That's right. Um, so now officially the theater, uh, the studios can get back into the theater owning game, which is definitely going to be interesting given, you know, we, we have to see what happens over the course of the next few weeks with tenant coming out at the end of the month, um, overseas and, uh, domestically over Labor Day weekend. Um, how many theaters are able to survive this? Um, and it's a very interesting time. I, I've been reading some very divergent uh, views on the subject. Um, most of them surprisingly lean towards the studios would be crazy to buy theaters, but I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, kind of I'm gonna say the studios are the ones that push this thing through. So yeah. they're not, and I'm gonna guess they know what they're doing more than the people on the outside <laughs> are speculating what's going on. Uh, yeah, um, and you know, let's not forget that two of the big media companies, Disney Universal, are very much steeped in the sort of uh, consumer experience. You know, Disney, obviously Disney World and Universal has Universal Studios and you know, Islands of Adventure in Orlando. Um, so they all know how to really make the customer experience comfortable and memorable. And I think for a lot of theaters, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned this briefly last week, but if you're expecting consumers to just head back to the theaters with the same old experience, I think that's naive and short-sighted because I don't think a lot of people are looking forward to that, um, to going back to this, you know, theater that's not necessarily clean with people who talk and people on their phones. Yeah. So you're going to have to make the experience better in some way. Um, and I think this is the opportunity where, you know, people like Disney and possibly even Netflix, they already own a theater um, in LA. So maybe they start getting in the ball game and Apple TV, which, which really has been struggling lately to kind of find its voice, maybe this is it. Because you think about going to an Apple store and how well thought out the layout of that store is, imagine that applied to a theater. Yeah, how nice. not apply that thinking to your theatrical or going to a theater in that experience, so. Well, I know AMC, they're reopening, I think this week or next week, and they're opening day or opening week, they're, I think it's just opening day, 15 yeah. cents tickets. Yeah. So they're really just trying to get people back into the old old mm -hmm. field. Um, yep. But I think you're totally right. I think that the, the reality of the media experience inside of a theater or the consumption experience inside of a theater has, has got to change. And some of these larger um, spaces that you go into, I think about the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood, mm -hmm. it's really kind of a Hollywood experience on top of watching a movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly seek out a movie when I'm in Hollywood or New York to go to some of these bigger theaters. I think it'd be interesting though if uh, if Paramount purchased up all the Paramount theaters again, Disney through you know for Fox uh, pick, uh, bought back the Fox theaters. I mean these these were oh, yeah, the Fox, theaters. Fox theaters in Westwood. Yeah, we used to have yeah. a lot a lot of premieres when I when I was there, and it was all and it, it would be interesting if they could go back to those days when you know Paramount owned a lot of theaters, um, Fox owned theaters. Yeah. And, you know, there's and to your point, you're you're right. You're absolutely right about the LA theatrical, like going to theaters in LA. You have the Cinerama Dome, you have Arc Lights. Um, you really have a lot of options. Um, but by and by, they're all more or less the same in terms of the theatrical experience. So whether or not you know these new companies, if if Disney or Comcast or whoever decides to buy a theater, what they bring to the table in terms of changing the theatrical experience so it's more memorable for people, it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, I think um, th definitely the change is happening. Um, but also at the same time, so we have Disney kind of 
pushing or doubling down on this idea of going to a theater experience. So obviously sticking with some kind of idea of theatrical release. Yep. Um, and then at the same time launching Milan on, on Disney, Disney Plus. Yep. And that idea of just going digital. Um, it wasn't it interesting that Disney showed a $5 billion loss um, in their financials and their stocks went up at the same time. I mean, there's, I that is like... <laughs> It just shows the kind of world we're currently living in where up is down and left is right. And, you know, typically if uh, any media company would show that level of loss, the stock would plummet. But it was because um, Bob Chupek, the new, the new CEO, talked a lot about the Disney Plus numbers and how great they've been over the course of the last few months that the stock went up because they're more, Disney's more or less saying, listen, we are doubling down. We believe in streaming. And you get the cursory like, but we still believe in theatrical, but I don't really think anybody really believes that. I think everyone sort of is coming down to the fact that streaming is the future. The windows are shifting. You can't have the three month window anymore. Um, it's just not economically uh, possible anymore. And you see a lot of the bigger companies doing that. You know, we can talk a little bit about what happened this week at Warner Media with over 600 people being laid off, some of them in, you know, the bigger higher ups in home entertainment and theatrical distribution. Yeah. And you can see that this realignment is starting to happen. And before the, the big set of layoffs came through, uh, Jason Kalar, who's the new CEO of Warner Media, um, let go of um, Kevin Riley and Bob Greenblatt, who were basically big titans in the sort of TV world. Um, and they were both brought in to sort of run the content out of HBO Max. And he kind of showed them the door because they were traditional um, linear TV folk. And the thought process now is that we need to do something different than focus on linear TV. We need to try to find people who are going to push the boundaries a little bit creatively and also um, provide us with the content that's going to give sort of our, our platform the some, somewhat of a brand that people can sort of associate with. Yeah, to me, I think the the breadcrumbs are obvious, right? Like the breadcrumbs we're going to follow are obvious. We're going to see this over and over and over again. Um, really, to some degree, we could talk about this forever and really yeah. get nowhere. But it's it's yeah. really it's super obvious. The the six hundred people layoff at Warner Media is a clear indicator that these media giants have to be letting go of some of this fat, some of the old way of thinking. Yeah. Um, the reason why I like to harp on it is as a content maker, but also as a, as a, a creative consultant for companies, so many people in the content making game want to make a television show for, and then they name a major network. Yeah. But the networks are falling apart as fast as people are making shows. And yeah. to think that there's money, like to, like to fool yourself and to think that there shouldn't be any money available to make a show that's not going to have to be attached to some other commercial entity when you make it. It's like the rules have changed, folks. That's all we want to say over and over and over. Hollywood is breaking and the rules are changing. The rules are changing. I mean, if you look at some of the big deals that, you know, with Ryan Murphy um, that Netflix made and spent a godly amount of money and to bring, you know, these, these creators into their orbit. And it's just like there's only so much money to go around. And at a certain point, you're not going to have – you need to see starting to see some returns right now. I think Netflix li is living high on the fact that they're just – they've been so successful in terms of having uh, shows that sort of penetrate the culture a little bit. And I think 
what's going to start happening is you're going to see that there are only so many of these big budget content creators around like HBO, Warner Brother, Warner Media spent a fortune bringing J.J. Abrams into the fold. Yeah. Uh, so, well, he's one guy and he can only really work at a certain pace. And well, what does that mean for the rest of HBO Max? And well, then uh, do you see the deal? Scorsese signed his deal with Apple TV Plus. Like yes, exactly. They're, so, they're not going to the studios right now. <laughs> no, because the Apple TV Plus and the Netflixes and you know, to some extent HBO Max, but not as much. They don't have as big a market cap as Apple does, obviously. Um, so there's money to be thrown around, but at a certain point, you've got to start seeing some return on that money. And I don't think it's really there yet. And I think to your point about sort of the rules breaking down, and we touched a little bit about this yesterday, last week about the layoffs at CAA, in terms of there just being more options for content and people are going to be hungry for it because places like Disney Plus, there's only so many times Baby Yoda is going to get people to sign up for Disney Plus or mm -hmm. Hamilton. Um, HBO Max doesn't really have a show. They have a great library, but they don't really have any shows that have popped yet. And well, HBO so Max gonna... is a totally different problem. HBO has lost its branding yes. at all with HBO Max, HBO Go, HBO oh, Now. HBO what now. a cluster yeah. that was, right? And, and, and I think Jason Kalar, the CEO, recognized that that was this past week in some of the interviews he did, recognized that that was a bit of a misstep on their part, <laughs> um, just trying to take the HBO brand. Because if you think about a show, what is a Netflix show? You know, what is a CBS show? I mean, it's tough to, I mean, really discern what those are. But if you say HBO, people sort of get the understanding, oh, you're talking like high-end, really well-done adult yeah. drama. Westworld. Like Westworld, The Sopranos, Succession, you know, all these big, beautifully done shows. Yeah, that one show about dragons. Right, what was that? Oh, yeah, that little, that little game of, of, of bones. Game, all of it about games. No, not <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that little show that everyone else in the, and, and Jeff Bezos is spending a million dollars, uh, a lot yeah. of money to, uh, to re recreate. No, but to um, your point, like with HBO, they have such a deep roster of good entertainment, already kind of feature length or yeah. feature quality entertainment, where Netflix, I feel like, you know, they've kind of invested on the cheaper side and getting the volume out there. Super smart yeah. move for them. Um, I don't know what Apple TV's idea is. I honestly feel like they're spending a lot of money on high-end names with mm -hmm. very little output. And that, yeah. like, it's going to crush them. There must have some kind of exit strategy here that yeah, they're basically up contracts for some reason. It's interesting because the ongoing debate about the streamers is you either have, either come in with a library like Disney Plus, or you go after big-time content, or you have, like, the established creators like Netflix does, or you have the franchises for example, like HBO Max has some franchises that people want to watch over and over again. Like people will watch the end of Sopranos 50 million times to try to figure out what it means. So it's sort of like that kind of thing is, is sort of is sustainable in some ways. But when you look at Apple TV Plus, they don't even, they don't have a library. They haven't really had a hit. I mean, Dickinson was a, caused a bit of a stir. Um, Defending Jacob, which I thought was really well done in a lot of ways kind of came and went and nobody really paid attention to it. Yeah. Um, they had Greyhound, which was a purchase off Sony, which did okay for them. They said it was their biggest hit ever, which what does that mean? Um, so I, I think, think about those are like, those are like one show and then you're done with the entire platform. There's not, yeah. there's nothing else that keeps you on the platform. Right. And what we've learned is, is that 
the plat off platform is such a hard thing for these content media groups to, to manage. I mean, if you're not, if you don't stick on their platform, they're going to lose you. And then you're going to go to some other kind of binge watch on Amazon. Yeah. And so if you can't sustain me uh, and moving from show to show, and it's in a way like why my Netscript subscription is worth so much. Like I can just buy one subscription and get tons of content. Apple TV subscription for, for a show, for one show. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, like, I think that, I mean, that's why the rumblings are sort of like, well, if and when another studio gets bought, which is obviously the never ending conversation in Hollywood is which, which one's next. Will Apple come in and buy like Sony so they can have a library? Or will Apple come in and buy Paramount so they can have a library? Um, or will they go find a library that they can buy for on the cheap so they at least have something while they sort of ramp up their content? And, you know, they're, they're a bit of trying to figure out who they are, what their voice is. I think, I mean, Tim Cook just kind of got into it because they had so much money. Yeah. And they had all the devices. They had the distribution devices. So, like, well, why aren't we making content? So I just feel like it's 40 right? years behind its schedule. When, when yeah, I mean, you look at Amazon. Sony, isn't that obvious that Sony did something 40 years ago? Right, right. Like, Come on, let's go, go find well, your own you game. Could, you could go back all the way to, you could go all the way so to AOL Time Warner, the merger that was supposed to be the greatest merger in all, of all mergers, and it turned out to be an absolute disaster because it sounded like it made sense. Yeah. Well, is the new internet. Time Warner produces content. Woo, it's perfect. And then it crashed and burned. And it, it seems to me that everyone, I mean, I think a lot of the, uh, people in the tech world think that if you show up with your data and your algorithms, boom, you can just make a show that everyone's going to want to watch. And it's, there's a lot more nuance to it than I think a lot of people get credit for. And I think that's what sort of Apple TV Plus is sort of discovering. Amazon's still trying to figure out what they are and what they do. Now, they've definitely had more hits. Um, and Jack Ryan and, you know, those kind of show and, you know, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So they've had sort of the hits. They've sort of established themselves. But they also have a film library. I mean, I, I, when I turn yeah, on my Amazon, I'm say, already part of Prime. I turn on, I watch, you know, yeah, it's, you that one's titles, it's not going I mean, anywhere. You can still rent titles for Apple TV Plus, but, you know, you're just being a member of Apple TV Plus doesn't really get you much of anything. I mean, I think maybe have 10 shows on the platform, if that. Yeah. I feel like my Amazon subscription is like my basic basic cable subscription. There's always going to yeah. be something to watch there. It's not There's my, gonna be it's the premium stuff. I'm not going to, it's not my, my HBO subscription, but it is right. take, take over that thing. Yeah, typically oh, yeah. we're trying to figure out what to watch. And in my household, it's usually we start with Amazon Prime, scroll through it and see what, what everybody, you know, because that's, you're right. It's, it's very apt um, comparison. It's like basically your, your cable subscription. You just yeah. Channels. Whereas at Apple TV Plus, it's really hard when you've only got, You've just got an antenna, basically. We got CBS, ABC, NBC. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and you tune in for it for just to watch the show. Right, right. The big media giants this last week, they were making a claim that their ad revenue, they're like, they're seeing the light, right? Their ad revenue is going up. They're so excited. They're trying to obviously stir up Wall Street to not give up on there too soon. But uh, you might have some experience in this. Um, <laughs> Maybe a little. Uh, ad spending went up in a political year. Imagine. Oh, really? Wow, what's I, happening here? <laughs> um, I'm, I know. I, 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 I'm speechless. That's, I mean, what a farce, right? Like, the, truly, there's, there is no... I mean, give, after November, their ad revenue is going to drop back down and disappear. Right. And, yeah, and you made reference. I do have some experience in this realm, and it, it very much is, oh, look at all this money coming in, and then, oops, 
December slows around. Uh-oh. What do we have lined up for January? Nothing. Oh, great. <laughs> we have all this ad inventory we can't sell. Um, you know, I think it, 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 your, to your point about, you know, they, they don't want, they don't want to scare off their advertisers. They still want the brands to feel like people are watching. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a sort of a survivalist instinct to the, to the whole spin of Lula's spin, ad spinning up. But I think it's also a sign again, as you pointed out earlier, that things are changing and, and it's interesting that you bring that up and sort of like, you know, uh, in terms of the big media and I'm talking about making all this money from politicals and the death of probably one of the remaining few me big media titans in Sumner Renstone this past week and yeah. sort of like the end of that era in terms of, you know, he was the guy who came up with multiplex was credited with saying content is king and took MBTV worldwide and with his death and sort of with Rupert Murdoch sort of stepping aside and letting the next generation take over I think you're going to see a little bit more of a shift where people are going to start to move beyond just sort of like what has sustained them in the past. And I think to your point about the political, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, like I said, come January, yeah. they might be right back where they are before because we might be in another outbreak somewhere in the country and, you know, God forbid we go into a lockdown again, but I mean, it's entirely possible. So you just it's never just know. It's interesting to have these, these deaths like Olivia de Havilland and mm. uh, Redstone, their deaths almost are in sync with these major uh, changes as well, right? Yeah. So the Havilland and the Paramount Decree, to have those almost in sync. And yep. now with uh, Redstone dying and what we're seeing also in this idea of the multiplex, like is unnecessary anymore. Like the multiplex yep. is falling apart and he was the creator of the multiplex. But he was beyond that. He He's a media giant in that he really was a guy building one of those big media empires. Viacom was an uh, accumulation of media over many, many years, created a huge empire, and now that's falling apart. I mean, yep. truly, a lot of what he spent in his lifetime really is the end of a lifetime. It's the yeah. end of an era that way. Yeah, and I think you also see it's interesting with you know, the passing of the old you know, media titans. You have the new tech titans kind of moving in and sort of redefining what the space may look like in the next five to 10 years. Um, you know, and I think everyone's trying to figure out what it's gonna look like because you know, so much has changed over the course of the last few months and so many things that have been talked about in the industry for the last five to 10 years over the course of the last five months have all of a sudden come to fruition. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's interesting to see with, you know, as you pointed out with the ending of the Paramount Decree, the passing of Olivia de Havilland who sort of like was key in breaking the old studio system and sort of Sumner Redstone with the idea of buying up pieces and building a massive media empire. And now all those pieces are starting to sort of collapse a little bit and starting to show their age. And you've got these tech titans coming in, sort of reinventing the wheel and, you know, producing content of an unbelievable clip that you didn't think was possible because you thought, you know, with production, oh, we need a three month lead time pre, and then you go into, you know, previs, and then you go into production, then you have post, and then you have the marketing campaigns. Netflix has sort of compressed all that into like a month. Yeah, I, I almost have a, like the, the back of my, you know, thoughts really are this idea that creativity is losing in a lot of things. Like we're really ha are developing content at such a different pace, at such mm -hmm. a higher scale. Um, to let, I mean, there's, there's a blessing to having some of these 
monopolies and uh, gatekeepers out of the way so that yeah. good content could show up. Um, but in reality, the, the value of content is totally being pushed away. It's, get, it's becoming such a commodity, yep. a commodity at a different pace. And maybe that's what Apple TV is uh, trying to do with their stuff is actually really retain some of the value proposition of media instead of just the commoditization of it. Yeah, I mean, and I think- content maker, we're, we're up against something very, very different nowadays. Right. We're fighting for pace or speed, uh, cost, and no one's really asking like, but is it good? Yeah, um, well, I, I, it's, it's, you bring that up and it just sparks something in my mind that Apple is very much about sort of the quality and that sort of defines their brand in a lot of ways. I mean, you'll, you'll, I'll probably get some pushback from this because you have your Apple purists who say that over the course of the last five years as Apple's become more prevalent, it was, before it was just the computers that creatives used, mm -hmm. be it art directors, editors, filmmakers. Now pretty much everybody has an Apple so they would say that the quality has gone down, but I would, would it, I would say that most of your average consumer looks at Apple as a high quality product. So maybe the, the argument could be made that that's what Apple's doing. They're looking for high quality product. Like the movie, the first movie they bought was with Tom Hanks, who can arguably be said is one of our best movie stars. Now they've signed a deal with, um, Corsese, yeah. Corsese, who's arguably one of our best filmmakers. And they have a deal with Richard Plepler, who was the head of HBO and brought in sort of defining HBO dramas like The Sopranos, like Westworld. So maybe, maybe that's their strategy. Maybe they're like, we're quality. We don't need to rush. We'll take time. And when we have a good piece of content, we'll put it out. Now, our, you know, Netflix is sort of the polar opposite of that in a lot of ways because they just push stuff out they just push Some it of the stuff on netflix is awful yeah and, you know but they're just so desperate for content because some of these streamers are buying back their content that they need that original to sort of fill the pipeline yeah netflix has i, I never really thought of that, they make horrible they, content with that yeah that like they, they get Oscar award-winning um, stars. I saw, saw something. Well, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say which one it is. But uh, this woman won an Oscar. And, oh. uh, and then I watched um, a series that they were producing on Netflix, and I couldn't even get through, couldn't get through an hour of it. It was horrible. And it just was – I feel like the director was some amateur, you know, just somebody that got out of USC film school – gave him an Oscar uh, winning actress and they made a series out of it. Now from some loose idea of um, yeah. you know, historical character. Let's, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with kind of with this idea. Um, I actually had um, a person I've consulted over the years um, come visit me and um, one of her shows seems to be getting some traction and picking up. Um, she's in that media space where um, she's doing a home makeover show and content or I'll say like the um, brands can easily attach themselves to her show. Um, yeah. Because when you're doing something like a home makeover, there are a lot of sponsorship opp opportunities. And that's what's actually gaining a lot of traction for her and her show on the, uh, you know, the, the cable, in the cable access world. Um, yeah. With all the changes that you are kind of seeing here with these big changes, what would your encouragement be for other content makers? And I know that you've had conversations even in the last couple of days with um, some of the um, larger agencies. So you can, you can kind of read the tea leaves a little bit, but you know, what's, what's the play if I'm a content maker and you get all this change happening and I was going to make a show and pitch a show, you know, at Nappy in January, 
um, yeah. what should I be putting together? Well, I think, I think a lot of, you know, to your point, I think looking for ways to engage with other brands is definitely a way to do it, to think about how, and I'm not just saying like brand placement, but how a brand can help you tell your story. Um, I think it's definitely one way to look at it. Um, I also think because there's just with all these, with all these basically streamers and the studios and everyone's competing for content, there really is just an opportunity for a real original um, storytelling. And I think, I think that's definitely something to look forward to. And I think for any content creator out there, there's just going to be there's just going to be a need for content. I mean, I, there's going to be a lot of the traditional model that's still going to be in place. But we talked a little bit about this last week with CAA and their layoffs and sort of the the end of the dominant mega agent world. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be looking for content, and it it it's not necessarily going to, you not not necessarily need the agent to shop your property anymore. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling. Um, really the some of the need for agents or the legal side of it and very important move for people is to kind of lock in some ip so that if yeah. you have the ability or a platform to tell a story yeah. you have some kind of intellectual property that you can leverage into that conversation because that's what's yeah. going to make your uh, piece of content different than yeah I, I mean the reality is that there's going to be a lot more opportunity but you're still going to be dealing with a lot of the same gatekeepers who are going to be overly cautious and not going to want to spend a lot of money um, but if you come with some sort of IP that they can, you can at least show has some semblance of a built-in audience and that may come back to sort of the idea of working with brands because brands come with a built-in audience, um, and they have sort of a visibility. So that could also help in, in a lot of ways. I think it's just, a, it's, it's a very interesting time and uh, you know, we know, we don't know where the tide is going to go, um, at this point, but I think the changes that we're seeing is, seems to be a refrain of what we're talking about here. Are, are important in terms of sort of really giving original storytellers the, the leg up that they, they may not have had a year ago or even six months ago. <laughs> well, I'll say this, I love the challenge and I'm yep. thankful that you're on the journey with me in this challenge. It's fun thinking of the show ideas that we have and doing this yep. some of the pitches that we're doing. Um, yep. We'll say that we're hitting the same roadblocks other people are hitting along the way and kind of learning and navigating through this terrain. Um, but what an interesting time to be alive, what an interesting time to be making content. And we know there will be winners on the other side of this transition. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I just want to be on the winning team as, as people are pushing through, which is why we love to share on these yep. mornings during Hollywood breaks. Absolutely. All right. Keith, thank you again for your time in this. Always good uh, to talk to you. I'm truly loving this. I think I'm becoming more of a media geek than I ever have before. So yeah, it's very uh, easy to get sucked in, especially with all the changes that are happening pretty much daily in the industry. Yeah. And I have no one to talk to about this. So uh, to get you on the line at least once a week now in this <laughs> conversation. Um, yeah, that's what I'm here for. But we'd love to, anybody watch this, we'd love to hear from you as well. Again, make sure you subscribe to this channel. Uh, we'd love to have you involved. There are some people that are also watching this live, and we thank you for uh, tuning in to us on Friday mornings. Some of you are in different time zones, so we know that you're waking up a little bit earlier than, than the rest of us, and uh, it's good to have you here. Um, we are going to be here next week. We're going to keep this thing going until we get bored, which probably be never. So we'll come back next week on Friday morning. If you want to uh, hear more about this, join us live. Um, send us an email, uh, tim at revthink.com, and I'll make sure you're on our small mailing list of people that are joining us. 
until next week, Keith, you have a great weekend. Enjoy your time in Maine and Trafe travels back home. Yeah, I'll be back. When we broadcast next Friday, I'll be back in my abode in Philadelphia. So this will be my last time up here in Maine, unfortunately. But back to reality. <laughs> we'll have to find you an uh, iconic Philly backdrop for, uh, for the show. That's a good idea. Maybe I should, maybe I should do like um, maybe the, the, uh, the art house, uh, the, the art museum steps, which everyone obviously knows from Rocky. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. We could be, maybe like we get you filming up the stairs at the very beginning of the show. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> I haven't been in the gym in a while. I don't know if I want to. Yeah, I don't know. Going halfway up the stairs. Halfway and breathing. <laughs> I won't be able to talk for like 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Tim. Talk to you next week.